Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is Brett number one from Spokane, Washington. I've been best friends, best friends with Jesse Dollimore for 25 years, and I still wouldn't listen to that piece of shit show, I Doubt It with Dollimore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us for this 289th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. Across from me, the lady who just called me dude, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. <laughs> no one will believe that. Oh. No one believes that. Right. Because, you know, I'm I'm in the business of making up salacious lies about yeah. you. Dude. It was in a... <laughs> it was a very reckless moment for me. No. Well, here's... I'll just give them a little behind the scenes action. Here we go. I was just covering... Because you've been in indisposed. Yeah. With the thesis work. Mm-hmm. Who I knew? Don't wanna, I don't want yeah, to beat the audience over the head with the fact that you're doing your thesis, and it is an unbelievable amount of work. Who knew that it would be this hard? Holy shit. Is it this hard? It must be it's this, this hard. hard. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I was running down what we're going to talk about today, and I said, and we have two voicemails, and after I got done talking about everything else, you go, okay, do we have any voicemails? I go, yeah, I just said we have two voicemails. Mm-hmm. To which you answered, yeah, well, I got a lot going on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a douche. You are sometimes a douche. That is yeah. correct. You know, that's the first step it's a bummer. in solving your problems is admitting. Or were you talking about me being a douche? Well, listen, we can't be perfect all the time. Speak for yourself, Brittany Page. And... That was evident today because I'm really not in a mood for this kind of... You are not in the mood. Yeah, I'm not in the mood. So I'm not... I'm, I'm particularly sensitive to dumbness right now. <laughs> That's just something that is happening. And it's not just me. No. You're surrounded by dumbness today. Yeah. So someone at work today asked me... They're new. And they asked me... How not, they're not new to being a human being. No, they're nearing 30 years old and asked me how to use, how to make a copy, how to make a copy of a paper, not even like a complicated. You mean like on a copy machine? Yeah, just a copy machine. 
And I had to really take a beat because my first response... By the way, I love take a beat. My first response was, have you seen Mad Men? (laughs) I mean, Joan makes a copy in the background and you know how to make a copy. I mean, it's not hard. Have you seen... Very easy. Any type of Office-related show or movie. Have you seen The Office? Yeah, Pam makes copies. (laughs) Okay, she just lifts up the little thing, puts the little thing down, presses the little button, and the lights go, okay? What what do they do? I don't know. It's not difficult. (laughs) It's not difficult. And (laughs) it's really frustrating for someone who has been, listen, when I was younger. You're sounding like Jesse D right now. When I was younger. (laughs) Here's the deal, everybody. When I was younger, my parents, we were like little soldiers, okay? Okay. I was like six years old outside painting the fence in the backyard with used motor oil because, yeah, that's just what we painted it with. White trash, everybody. White trash indeed. On my knees, scrubbing the tires of my parents' cars. Wait a minute. What were you painting the fence with? (laughs) Used motor oil, everybody. Get me all, Brittany. Girl. Yeah. Um, watering the yard by hand. Well, hang on. We got a message from your dad. <laughs> oh, Trump, baby. <laughs> we got some Hillary Bitches on here. <laughs> Come on, baby. Oh, oh. yeah. Who knows? Anyway, Who so knows? you're painting a fence with motor oil. Yeah. Hard labor my whole life. Your ma- neighbors, because you lived in a subdivision, they must have just fucking loved you. Oh, they hated your us. Your family. They hated us. <laughs> Really, anyway, really bad. I'm sorry. I'm I'm causing us to derail. But in there, and then my first job was in a restaurant. I used to get on my hands and knees and clean out the drains oh, wait, that had tell, oil in it. Tell about the girl that your company hired that didn't know how to sweep. Yeah, so it reminds me of that. It was someone who didn't <laughs> had never used a broom before. And right. so I'm just always shocked by these people that I encounter that don't have basic skills. Yeah, that's not even a life skill. That's just basic that's just like physics. You hold it by the handle. You use the bristles to push around the dirt. That's just that's just being a fucking person. Well, how lucky are you? Well, I don't I don't know if it's luck. I don't know to not understand how to use that. Obviously, someone has always cleaned for you or something. I mean, I don't know if that's luck. I don't know. We've encountered many people in our lives recently. Yeah. Like who don't even know how to use the fucking dishwasher. Yes. Can't, now I realize every dishwasher is different. They're generally not. But you're not <laughs> They're send, the same. You're not sending a man to the goddamn moon. Yeah, it's not complicated. You put the dishes in. You pick which wash. Yeah. You know, you I, put a little on. soap thing in there. So Brittany's frustrated. I'm frustrated. I guess that's the I'm moral. Sorry. It's just the I'm, moral of the story. I'm being a whiny bitch right now. Is what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Sometimes it happens. All right. Well, let's get to those aforementioned voicemails before Joe derails any further. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Charles from Huntsville, Alabama. Um, I was calling because the recent voicemail with the woman talking about the uh, missing girls in D.C. It really kind of hit home with me. Um, First off, kudos to you all for your responses and acknowledgement of the fact that you're white people, you don't have the same perspective. But um, I myself am a black man living in Alabama, 
So I just want to say to her, not to exactly just remove yourself from the situation, but stay out the comment sections if you can. But every now and then, just keep an eye out because you want to know how the other side views you and things. So just kind of have a more measured take on things because if you don't, you will live there and you will just find yourself constantly enraged and don't want to end up there. Um, other than that, um, I, I do want to kind of harp on what Jesse mentioned with the where's the Black Lives Matter and other organizations like the Women March and all of that. But for me, it's more so where are all of the All Lives Matter people? Because they're they're so so quick to jump and throw that out, but they never show up for any issues. So it's it's like they don't really care, but they just want to act like they care. Just want to throw that out there, and hopefully I can hopefully that provided the young woman some encouragement. And as they always say, love the show, Jesse. When you're not losing the damn mind, you are the best part. <laughs> well, I guess that's never. Yeah, when is that? Yeah, goddamn. I guess we're having a role reversal today, though. Let me say this. First of all, no thanks necessary for Brittany and I acknowledging that we're white people. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that is something I don't understand, is white people who put their perception of the world... And as though everyone else sees the world and experience the world, experiences the world through their white lens. Right. I don't fucking get that. Mm-hmm. I can't put myself, I cannot put myself in the shoes of a single black mom who has always been in poverty and whose immediate family came from poverty. I mean, it's the cycle that would, would build... I don't have an idea of that. I grew up poor, but it's a whole different thing mm-hmm. looking at the world through through the lens of of someone who's been generationally oppressed. Right. So it does bother me, and I listen. I I, I have just as much bias as anybody else, but I also have a fucking brain, and I can recognize that I don't I don't share those experiences. So I have to take a stab at empathy. I have to take a stab at some semblance of a deeper understanding other than my own goddamn experience. Well, also just compassion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's lacking in a lot of conversations about poor people, races, whatever it might be. It's someone not even making an attempt to understand where the person is coming from just based on compassion alone. Yeah. Just wanting to understand, feeling for that person, wanting to be helpful, and wanting to be more knowledgeable. Without a doubt. So, and the other thing, Charles, the other thing I wanted to say was, uh, relative to the All Lives Matter people, look, I think you're you're expecting a lot if you think that All Lives Matter people are actually an earnest, that's an earnest position. It's not. It's a counter position to Black Lives Matter. They don't give a fuck about all lives. They don't give a fuck about black lives at all. It's it's not it's not in their makeup to be activists. All they're doing is pushing back against something that they don't understand and I believe they don't want to understand again because of the white lens 
thing that we're talking about. So when I criticized the 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 women's march people, and I, I don't know that I criticized Black Lives Matter, but you know we can throw them in there too. I think they were probably there because of the fact that the whole entire room was black people. I was bothered by all these white liberals, the 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 the, the do gooders, quote unquote. Where the fuck were they? That bothered me. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much, Charles. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Uh, this is Christopher calling in from Minnesota. Um, I'm calling in because uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, kind of mostly focus around um, CNN. I'm kind of getting a little fed up with them lately because I noticed that <clears throat> I was having a conversation with a couple of friends last time. I think it was like last week. And we were noticing, um, no, it wasn't last week, it was like a couple days ago, but we were talking about like uh, the whole Kaylee McInerney thing, talking about the uh, Obama era mistake about the soldier that had died. I've got the details of it, but basically she mentioned that under Obama's uh, term, uh, a soldier had died, and she mistakenly mentioned a Bush era soldier that had been beheaded at the time. So I was having this discussion with my friends, and we were having something kind of, I don't, I don't know why it never occurred to us before, but we were asking each other, why is CNN hosting these Trump supporters, uh, you know, to defend Donald Trump? It's not to say that they can't have Trump supporters on the air, but why are they doing these ones specifically? Um, it almost feels like, you know, a bit of a ruse to get more ratings and bring up drama. I, I feel that it would have been more beneficial be beneficial for our country, especially to have people that are a bit more intellectual and a bit more honest. Because these individuals, especially like Kaylee McInerney, Kellyanne Conway, will make up anything and say anything to achieve their end, to get whatever it is uh, to be approved by the by the masses and to shove whatever story they need to to gain political brownie uh, brownie points. So I, I just figured, you know, I think as a society and as viewers, we need to start judging that and start really voting with our time uh, instead of, you know, really start criticizing CNN for doing that. And because there's since, there, since CNN is kind of a central media outlet, we really need to hold it to a higher set of standards and they need to get a higher set of standards for their surrogates that are Trump supporters. They need people that are a lot more intellectual, a lot more, uh, a lot more uh, honest and people that really know their facts. Um, and it has a sense of moral identity, at least. So I want to put my two, two cents on there. I want to know what you guys think about it. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. So I'm actually starting to agree with this. And hmm. at first I was not on board with the idea. N- don't get me wrong. Kaylee McEnany drives me insane. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Lord. Jeffrey Lord. And the other one who's on there now all the time uh, with glasses. I forgot his name. Uh, I told you recently that I thought he had replaced Jeffrey Lord, and you said, no, Jeffrey Lord is still on all the time. Anyway, whoever that guy is. <laughs> and and the reason I think this is starting to become a problem is when they have these panels, it almost results in a partisan competition where yeah. the two Trump supporters start just defending each other, and the two people who are opposing the Trump supporters just start defending each other, and then it turns into this... Uh, disaster there's jack, jack kingston that's what you're talking about okay Sorry. there we go <laughs> <laughs> there's no legitimate discussion we start moving further away from the facts yeah it becomes problematic and 
further, no one is going to listen to uh, someone who's trying to prove Jeffrey Lord wrong. What they would be more likely to listen to is a correction of Jeffrey Lord from Kaylee McEnany. Right. But that's not going to happen with those types. Never going to happen. It will happen with a more educated individual who is less partisan and still affiliates with the party, but places more emphasis on facts and actually wanting to discuss things and might be open to admitting when things aren't great with the Donald Trump administration. Here's here's the deal with with cable news. And it's a problem. Look, it's it's definitely a shortfall, but they've got into this 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 pattern of if we present one side, we're going to present the other because it's fair and it's balanced and it's objective. You, you know, you, you you're going to have the other side represented. But what has happened is it's the polarization of both sides. So you don't have a moderate voice. You don't have a guy who's like, yeah, you know, Donald Trump, he's not great. He he hasn't, you know, done everything well. But, you know, generally I support his policies. You have guys like fucking Rick Santorum or, or Jeffrey Lord, who when he's not saying how he worked for Ronald Reagan, he is lying out of his face at 60 miles an hour. Right. Saying the most insane things to defend Donald Trump and all of his positions. Well, also, when they try to do this false, fair and balanced thing and right. present no, both it, sides equally. It's a problem. What if both sides aren't equal? This happened with Katie Couric, and I think she had an anti-vaxxer on to counter the scientific yeah. position. Yeah, that's true. And she was criticized. Why are you presenting both ideas as though both ideas are valid? Yeah. We should be placing an emphasis on facts. And again, that might become a partisan issue where people start believing that, oh, CNN is no longer letting Trump supporters on. They're biased. That would be a problem. Right. So listen, it's a tightrope that they're walking. The other problem here, and I don't know how to get around it, we just need to trust in the media organization and our own brains to do some research. And that's the fact that these are all profit-driven, advertising-driven organizations. Ratings-driven, ultimately. So if the ratings start falling, they need to figure out how to get viewership up. And sometimes, like Christopher's saying, they resort to the drama of it all. They know there's going to be a fight. That's why Anna Navarro, God bless her, still has a goddamn job on CNN. Right. Now, it's not always the best thing that she's there saying pussy and shit or whatever she was saying bullshit the other day. I mean, she was she's she's a fiery character. That's good. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's good, but sometimes it's a distraction. That's true. So and look, I love her. I'm glad she's there. Yeah. But it, again, it, it, I, I think he's on to something there about the ratings driven or about the. The, the drama of it all, which mm-hmm. again is kind of just a result of whether it's conscience or conscious or not, uh, it's it's a result of trying to get better ratings and get viewership up. Right. Uh, speaking of facts, though, I wanted to correct you, Christopher. Uh, Kaylee McEnany didn't say anything about soldiers. What she was talking about, she made a reference to. She said Daniel Pearl was beheaded by Al Qaeda because there was no ISIS at the time, or she may have said ISIS because she's stupid. But she said Daniel Pearl, who was a journalist at the time, or at the time, he was a journalist, was beheaded by terrorists. 
And it, it happened while, this is what she said, it happened while Barack Obama was golfing on Mar Martha's Vineyard. Well, the problem is, is that it wasn't Daniel Pearl. He was beheaded by Al-Qaeda in 2002. She was talking about James Foley, who was murdered by ISIS in 2014. And all of her faux outrage, really honoring the victim while not knowing his fucking name, is insulting to the memory of both of those gentlemen. So that was what the mistake was. And again, I think she's a terrible, vapid human being uh, with no dignity or core direction, politically or, or ethically. So it's a bummer. Anyway, you guys, thanks for the calls. We appreciate it very much. If you too would like to sound off, call the show. Ask a question. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Gallup polls before we move on. Yeah, let's do it. Please. Are you going to talk about the 36%? Well, don't try to predict what I'm talking about. Let is, me just talk about what I'm going to talk about. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the job numbers, uh, job approval rating for Donald Trump. Last time we talked about it one week ago. Yeah. He was at 37% approval. Mm -hmm. You would think that would be the... The, the bedrock lowest number he could get to. No. <laughs> As the first president in Gallup's polling history to start his term with a job approval rating below the majority level, Donald Trump has already received the all-time lowest approval ratings of any president in his first year. Wow. Trump's recent 36% approval rating, recorded after Republicans in Congress failed to repeal and replace Obamacare, fell just below Bill Clinton's all-time low of 37% in June 1993. In interviews conducted Sunday through Tuesday, Trump has dipped further to 35%. Wow, I didn't even know that. Also, three presidents... And there's more. Three presidents <laughs> have been re-elected after sub-40% approval in the first term. Hmm. So, odds are not in your favor. Both presidents with sub-30% ratings in first term were not re-elected. Wow. Just a little factoid there. Well, look, it's uh, it's not looking good for him. It's it's he's an embattled guy already. I mean, goddamn, where look where we are. He took office January twentieth, the end of January. He took office. Here we are, at the end of March, and it's not looking good. I would say this though: I wouldn't put it past Donald Trump to something bad to happen. I don't want to turn into Alex fucking Jones here, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't put it past him for them to concoct something or allow something ha to happen to gin up some type of, of uh, approval ratings for him. I am not going to go there with you. I'm not saying I predict it. I'm saying I wouldn't put it past him. You think that's bad that I'm saying that? I yeah, get, you do. I get a little nervous when things start moving into conspiratorial... I territory. Will, I will shut the fuck up. But I also want to say three presidents, Reagan, Clinton, Obama, all hit their presidential low points in the first term, yet recovered to win re-election. So although this is a good sign. And Reagan's re-election was 
unbelievable. Right. He won every single state except for Minnesota, which was where Walter Mondale, his opponent, was from. Although it is good that Donald Trump's job approval rating has completely tanked those other presidents that were able to gin up support for re-election, that's a little a little concerning. Yeah. Well, let's see. This is the lowest of any president that they've they've polled that they've tracked the approval rating on. Let's see if it goes lower. Well, and that's who they're talking about. The the paths of the two other presidents, Carter and George H.W. Bush, they say should be more troubling to Trump as neither won a second term once their approval ratings fell into the twenties. Wow. Now that is not you're not doing a very good job <laughs> when only twenty five percent, let's say, right, of the nation approves. When seventy five percent of Americans think you're doing a shitty job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdolomore. Jennifer. Jennifer. Another J name. Another J name. So thank you, Jennifer. Seriously. For your beautiful, generous support on Patreon and PayPal. Thank you to our Patreon and PayPal supporters. You keep us afloat. You keep us motivated. You keep us going. You keep the goddamn lights on. You do. Yeah. And we love you so much for it. Also... If you want to contribute to the show, but you don't have the funds, just shop through our Amazon link. Listen, someone purchased a bunch of stuff with the Amazon link recently. Yeah. Like a large order, I think it must have been. Yeah. And we appreciate it very, very much. Seriously. So thank you for using the Amazon link to make your purchases. That's awesome. It is beautiful. And then if money is not your thing and you can't do that, listen, go rate and review the show. If you haven't gone to iTunes and rated and reviewed the podcast, that is a tremendous help, as Donald Trump would say. Believe me, because it gets us in front of new listeners without us really having to do anything, without you having to do anything other than rate and review. It's not like you have to go tell your friend about it. Just do that. So thanks, you guys. We love you. We appreciate you so much. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, last time on the show, we kind of skipped over. We didn't really talk about this entire Russia investigation. There were some speculation items that I didn't want to really get into. But then some things hit this last week relative to Devin Nunes, the House Intel Committee chairman. He is a piece of work unlike I've ever seen. His complete eschewing of decorum, of of objectivity, of independent investigative work (laughs) is unbelievable. So we're finding out now that what he did when he went to the White House to 
uh, brief the president, the subject of his investigation. He needed to brief him about some surveillance that he found out about. Well, now we're finding out how he found out about it. And there are some problems. And there are some questions also that need to be answered by Devin Nunes, who is avoiding answering the, press, the questions of the press. First, well, for, he, he sat down. He didn't sit down. He was standing. <laughs> he gave an interview with Wolf Blitzer. Good old Blitz. And he was asked several questions. It was like a 15 or 20 minute interview. And this is what I want to get into. First of all, he indicated that he already had this information prior to going to the White House to get it. Uh, look, I go over there a lot. Uh, I go over there often uh, for, for meetings and briefings uh, to meet foreign dignitaries, all those sorts of things. I go to all the agencies. It's part, it's part of the role of oversight. And, and all, all of our members go uh, to the executive branch. But you understand how it would look the next day you're coming out, you're giving the president some comfort, uh, and, and he said, you know, he was somewhat uh, uh, vindicated, if you will. You, you understand uh, how all of this looks and why it's causing such an uproar. I, I do. I completely do. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter remains that this is information uh, that I had long before uh, Mr. Trump even made his famous tweet. So, and look, if it was, if I, if I really wanted to, I could have snuck onto the grounds late at night and probably nobody would have seen me. Ugh. Well, first of all, he's using very, he's obfuscating with his language. He's broadly talking about the executive branch. I go to the White House all the time to meet foreign dignitaries or whatever. And, you know, all of our members go to the executive branch. Well, the White House isn't all-encompassing of the executive branch. The executive branch is a large organization. The FBI could be considered the executive branch. The CIA could be considered the executive branch. The Justice Department. Hell, the, the Naval Observatory, where the vice president lives, is the executive branch, technically. The IRS is the executive branch. <laughs> We're talking about the White House, dickface. Why were you at the White House? Mm-hmm. And then lastly, he talks about, there in that clip, well, this is information I already had. Well, tell me, Devin Nunez, if this is information you already had, why did you need to view it, to go to the White House to see it, if you already had the information? I think he stepped on his dick there, and I'm not hearing anybody ask about that. It seems like a problem. The interview continued. This time, they're talking about why he couldn't just view the information at the Congress, at the Capitol building. He tried to explain. Grounds, why not use a skiff? You have plenty of them up on the House side and the Senate side on Capitol Hill. Well, that is a very good question. So here's the problem. The Congress has not been given this information, these documents. And that's the problem. So, so because, the, because this is executive branch, it was distributed widely through the executive branch. This was from November, December, and January. Uh, and these were reports, just let me reiterate, this had nothing to do with Russia, nothing to do with the Russia investigation. Uh, there is no way uh, 
for the folks that I had been working with to actually to, to bring this forward to light, there was no way I could view that because they couldn't get it to the House Intelligence Committee. Why did they need to get it to the House Intelligence Committee on Capitol Hill? One, why couldn't they? But two, why did they need to if it's information you already had? And if it was someone at the White House that was unlocking the door and letting you in, why couldn't they just walk over across the hall and give it to the president? Why did you, the supposed independent investigator, why did you have to go brief the target of your investigation? Why is everything like a reality show? It's unbelievable. I mean, this is seriously... uh, It's frustrating. Here, I sound like one of the callers. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) It is. it's, It's exasperating. That this clown from the Fresno, California area, this dairy farmer... It, it, Why do you say that so hatefully? Be, how, how dare you insult dairy farmers? No, it's not. Well, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, that's you're right. That's a little pejorative that I'm being shitty about it. Well, this is what I mean about the reality show is we've never heard of this guy. This guy was a nobody. And now all of a sudden he's on the news every day. Oh, yeah. He's lapping it up. And he's doing these press conferences, which are pointless and nothing is solved nothing we we don't figure anything out here's let me let me explain i just i just came up with my reason why here we go and i'm being shitty i was being shitty and i apologize thanks Brittany. reeling me back in you're welcome this is the reason why dude (laughs) thanks dude (laughs) it's because adam schiff is a lawyer Mm -hmm. is a a well-trained well-educated man he's the ranking member of the house intelligence committee it's not like Devin Nunez has military training or intelligence ability. Mm-hmm. CIA, NSA. He's not a code breaker. He's not a mathematician. He's not a lawyer. He's a dairy farmer. It's noble work. But do you want him at the highest levels of our intelligence agencies? Do you want them with their, their ear to the tracks where all of the most vital and top secret information is getting poured into his fucking head. I say no. Well, the reason that I don't want him in that position is that he seems easily manipulated, easily swayed again, not a real smart guy. I don't by virtue of the fact that he's a dairy farmer, just by virtue of the fact that he's kind of a dumb shit. I don't know if being easily manipulated Suggests that he's a dumb guy. Could just be that he is more susceptible to impressive people and wants well, to be one of okay, them. They're not maybe cor- it's insecurity. Maybe I- they're not correlated, but the two may they may uh, be the case independently of one another. <laughs> okay, him being enamored by fame and fortune mm-hmm. and power. Mm-hmm. Listen, this 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 man was a part of the transition team. He started giving Donald Trump briefings on intelligence during the transition as in his capacity as the House Intelligence Chairman. And Donald Trump took a liking to him, kept him around. I wonder why. Exactly my question. 
Was it that he saw something in him? He saw the light in his eyes that, oh, I'm with this celebrity apprentice guy. Yay, this is really cool. I used to watch his show back on the dairy farm. I don't know. But this guy seems out of his element. He seems way out of his depth right now, doing things that are transparent as fuck. The interview continued. And this is related to getting right to the question. Who let you in to the White House? Did you think it might be conspicuous for the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee to be visiting the White House complex at night? Uh, wouldn't that by itself risk exposing your source? Well, don't believe everything you read, uh, Wolf. It wasn't actually the, that exciting. I've read a lot of reports that, that aren't true. Uh, well, tell us, one, what, tell us what is true. Number one, I wasn't uh, sneaking on. It wasn't at night. Uh, what, it, was in the, it was in the middle of the, you know, the sun was out. Uh, and I actually stopped and talked to several people along the way. Many foreign dignitaries were there. Some I recognized. I said hello, had conversations with them. Uh, so nobody was sneaking around. Uh, all it was was uh, uh, just a place where I had to go to be able to review this information. Who cleared you for admission? Well, I'm not going to get into uh, how that process works, but, uh, but the White House has a process for But for was us, it a White House staffer? Uh, look, well, if I'm not going to get into sources and methods and how we review documents, especially classified information, I mean, this happens all over the executive branch, uh, and it's quite common. No one's asking you about sources and methods. No one's asking you about how you review documents. What he was asking is, who unlocked the goddamn door? Who signed you in to the White House? Because although you, you, you hold a position of power on Capitol Hill, it's a co-equal branch of government. You don't have the run of the White House. It's not your place. You have to be entered into the database and cleared and brought in by a staffer. And not some fucking intern either. Someone with some juice let Devin Nunes in. Again... Probably, very likely, the same person that could have given Donald Trump the information himself. Because if this information was widely circulated, like he said with his own mouth, if it was widely circulated within the intelligence community and the executive branch, well, who's the boss of the executive branch? Donald Trump. So why did Donald Trump need to be briefed about something that was widely known and circulated in the executive branch by someone outside of the executive branch who already had the information but needed to be go to the White House to see the information he already had. Unbelievable amounts of questions here that aren't being answered. He's creating problem after problem for himself. Including the fact that when Sally Yates, the former acting attorney general of the United States in the transition period, who was fired by Donald Trump, she was prepared to testify to the committee about what she knew about this Russia involvement business. And the hearing was canceled. He's creating problems for himself. The committee will ask Director Comey and Admiral Rogers to appear in closed session 
and will postpone the previously scheduled March 28th hearing in order to make time available for Director Comey and Admiral Rogers. I think this is a serious mistake. We welcome at any time bringing the former directors back in closed session. We don't welcome cutting off the public access to information when we have witnesses as these three very important witnesses who are willing uh, and scheduled to testify in open session. So that was House Intelligence Committee ranking member, the lead Democrat, Adam Schiff, reacting to today's decision by the committee chairman, Devin Nunes, to cancel a public hearing next week. Nunes says the committee has more questions for the FBI director, the head of the NSA, that can only be answered in closed session. Schiff is suggesting the open hearing, which was supposed to include officials from the Obama administration, was canceled after pressure from the White House. Also today, we learned former Trump associate Paul Manafort and Roger Stone and Carter Page have all volunteered to be interviewed by the committee, but whether those interviews would be open or closed to the public is still TBA. Joining us tonight, former chief of staff at both the CIA and the Pentagon, also former counsel to the House Intelligence Committee, Jeremy Bash. Jeremy, you're our guy on this, especially on days when our attention is pulled somewhere else. How big a development was today? How big a deal does this investigation continue to be? Good evening, Brian. Well, I go back to Devin Nunes's comment that it was his duty to run to the White House and inform the president of what he was learning, in effect tipping off the target, if you will, the titular target of the entire investigation. And remember, Nunes has, has really two roles here. He's not only leading one important investigation, he's also one of the few select members of Congress who are being briefed in real time by the FBI director about their investigation. So he has as much information as anybody does on the planet about this investigation. And he goes to the White House and tells the president everything he knows. And if you look at the statute that governs what is the role of the House Intelligence Committee, it's to be currently and fully informed of intelligence activities, to authorize those activities, and to conduct oversight over those activities. It's not to be a shill or a shield for the president. And so Nunes really compromised the integrity of the entire effort this week. And today's hearing cancellation, I think, only added to that. And now, in the wake of that, not only are prominent Democrats everywhere within the sound of my voice calling for him to step down or be removed there is a lone republican i believe his name is walter jones of north carolina he also is calling for devin nunez to step down to not be in that position anymore because it is clear to everyone who is a clear thinking earnest and honest person that there's a problem here he is unable to to conduct this kind of an investigation at this point. You think? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're going to wrap this up with one more clip from good old Anderson Cooper, who kind of puts everything together about the facts that we know about the, the Trump-Russia case. Let's talk about the facts tonight. The facts about this White House and those close to it and ties to Russia all, we want to show you a flow chart just so everybody can follow along because it's confusing. There are the facts about former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, a key advisor during the Trump campaign. In 2015, he sat next to Russian President Vladimir Putin at a black tie gala for Russia's RT propaganda network, which the Kremlin paid Flynn more than $33,000 to attend. 
There's the fact that during the campaign, Flynn had regular contact with Russian nationals, and during the transition, he discussed sanctions with Russia's ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, and then lied about it to the vice president and others, and the fact that it cost him his new job as national security advisor. That's a fact. Then there are the facts about President Trump's son-in-law and close advisor, Jared Kushner. Fact, in December, during the transition, Mr. Kushner met with the ambassador. He also met with a guy named Sergei Gorkov, president of Russia's state-owned bank, VEB, in late 2016. Some facts about former Trump campaign manager, Paul Manafort. He worked for years in Ukraine for pro-Russian politician Viktor Yanukovych. Manafort also partnered with a Russian oligarch on business deals. And according to the Associated Press, he worked for a Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska to benefit the Putin government. Fact, former Trump uh, foreign policy advisor of some sort, Carter Page, worked in Russia for about three years, was involved in deals with state-owned gas giant Gazprom, and traveled to uh, Russia over the summer uh, while he had been named a, uh, a close advisor to the president. Then, uh, that same month, uh, uh, Carter Page spoke to Ambassador Kislyak on the sidelines of the Republican convention. As you might know, Attorney General Jeff Sessions was the first senator to support candidate Trump. Some facts about him. He also met with Ambassador Kislyak twice during the campaign, despite testifying that he never had any contacts with the Russians during the campaign. Michael Cohen is President Trump's personal lawyer. Two facts about him. Last month, he met, uh, met with a guy named Felix Sater, a Russian immigrant connected to the mob, accordingly. Mr. Trump also founded a grain company in Ukraine. Then there, uh, excuse me, Cohen. Then there are the facts about longtime Trump associate Roger Stone, who communicated with someone known as Guccifer 2.0 through private messages on Twitter. The U.S. intelligence community says that Guccifer uh, 2.0 persona was actually a front for Russian intelligence who claimed responsibility for hacking the DNC before the election. So those are some facts. There are a lot more, but we'll just stop there because we do have a lot to talk about in the next two hours. And the ones we listed, they might be legal. They might be totally legal connections or nefarious. We don't know in some case, but we do know they exist. Those are the facts. Well, one, it's pronounced nefarious. <laughs> Come on, Anderson, Yale graduate. So I wanted to kind of give that a synopsis because this is seriously, it is deep. It is intertwined. It is compl complicated and I just, I want it sometimes when we can find it a succinct way of explaining some of these connections, it needs to be brought to your guys' attention. Now, listen, meetings aren't necessarily uh, a problem in and of themselves. Meetings with Russians and Russian officials. Mm. It's when you fucking lie about them. Yeah. And cover them up that it, 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 it forces us to, it begs the question. Yeah. Why? Well, and having it all laid out the way Anderson Cooper laid it out with the charts, with the flowing arrows, oh, yeah. and it just looked like a disaster. Right. And they're they're trying to make it as simple as possible. Right. And it's, just, and it's still a fucking nightmare. It's overwhelming connections. Yeah. Overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. It's a mess, folks. I mean, we this is not going to end well. This isn't just going to go away. We're not just going to stop. We're not just going to start talking. Stop talking about it. I can't even stop talking about it correctly here. I'm a nightmare, Brittany Page. Mm -hmm. Fucking nightmare. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on. This is something we were going to talk about last time, and I'm glad we saved it because a bunch of other stuff came up. Ted Koppel, who is a historic journalist. Like Peter Jennings, Dan Rather. Who's the other guy? 
Tom Brokaw. Uh-huh. Ted Koppel. Ted Koppel's right there with him. <laughs> and he interviewed Sean Hannity, the giant-headed Sean Hannity. And that's coming from me, a guy with a giant pumpkin head. Mm-hmm. And he told him right to his goddamn fat face, fat head, <laughs> that he's bad for America. We're bad for America? You think yeah. I'm bad for America? Yeah. You do? In the, in the long haul, I think you really? and all these opinion that's shows. That's sad, Ted. No, you know why? That's sad. Because you're very good at what you do and because you have, you have attracted a significantly more influential. So well, let me finish the sentence. Let me finish the sentence before you do that. With all due respect, you yes, Take you have point. you have attracted people who are determined that ideology is more important than facts. Yeah. So Sean Hannity is pissed about this, right? Because he did a lengthy interview. 45 minutes, apparently. Yeah, and the only part that made it to air was this part, was him getting told. So he is accusing Ted Koppel, and I think it's CBS Morning News, Yeah, that's right. of deceptive practices because he wasn't aware that this is what was going to be done with the lengthy interview that they had. He's in TV. He understands how it works. He's just being a jerk-off. Right, so... He said something recently on his show, though, and I can't find the quote now, where he said that he doesn't pretend to be fair, balanced, and objective. His audience knows what he is. A jerk off. And I was shocked that he said this because he used the word objective, that his audience knows he's not objective. Yeah. And that's pretty profound for him to say. Yeah. It's probably in a moment of... Of, of a fever. Ugh, he didn't know, you know, he, he he slipped. Yeah, but I hope that his audience is listening. I don't know if they are, but I hope that they were listening to that. Well, first, I hope they appreciate objectivity. Because you can be biased and still be objective. You can. Mm-hmm. But I don't think his audience prizes objectivity. You know? Yeah. Don't oh. <laughs> baby! We got some Hillary bitches on here! Come on, baby. <laughs> you just asked all over my idea. So. What's that? My attempt at wishful thinking. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, this brought to light a whole bunch of stuff about specifically Fox News. That they really are in the tank for Donald Trump. They really are becoming, if not already are, the state-sponsored media. They are the voice of Donald Trump. Just the other day, after the health care bill failed miserably in the House, when they pulled the bill, after they were going to force a vote, the, the shit show everywhere in the Trump administration. But they decided to pull the bill. And Donald Trump tweeted that night or the night the next night, Hey, everybody, go ahead and check out Fox, Judge Janine Pirro's show. It's going to be a good one. You should check it out. And it really just goes, it's more evidence piling on, and we'll get to more, that absolutely they are the state-sponsored media choice of Donald Trump.
Well, we know he likes winning, and this is what's happening. This is yesterday morning. This is in central Pennsylvania, one of those places Donald Trump surprised everybody, a blue state area where Donald Trump won. The headline's pretty bad. Obamacare repeal feels, fails, and then you talk about health care will stay with Trump. This is Arizona, another red state. GOP pulls its plan to kill Obamacare, the first line of this story, in a humiliating failure. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't like this. So back to the lessons. You heard at the opening of the show, he said, I learned a lot about loyalty. Well, right after, at that very same event, he said, I like Speaker Ryan. Speaker Ryan's working very hard. Speaker Ryan has to deal with all these factions in the Republican Party. Then yesterday, the president tweets, tune into Fox News last night at 9 o'clock. Everybody says, oh, is he going to call in and do an interview? Oh, does Judge Jeanine have some exclusive on Donald Trump? Watch. Paul Ryan needs to step down as Speaker of the House. The reason? He failed to deliver the votes on his health care bill. What? <laughs> I mean, so the President of the United States is giving a preview. Obviously, he knew what was going to be broadcast last evening. That is the problem. Mm-hmm. How did Donald Trump know what the program agenda of the Judge Janine show was going to be. Well, I also love that Reince Priebus was interviewed by Chris Wallace and said that he didn't know. It was just coincidental. Come on. Please. Why are all these the worst coincidences on earth that are happening to They're you guys te- repeatedly? Terrible fucking lies. At some point, you're going to have to come up with something better than, oh, it was just a coincidence. <laughs> it's not believable anymore. It- not at all. It might not have even been believable the first time you said it. I think even, well, clearly even Trump supporters are starting to catch on because they are, you know, a 36 to 35% approval rating. It really speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. So the other thing, more evidence that, that uh, Fox News is just state media, government-controlled media, is the fact that Donald Trump's been golfing his sick fucking ass off. And Fox News tried to give him cover the other day by tweeting. What did they tweet, Brittany? That Donald Trump was working at the White House. All weekend. News alert. That's how it started. (laughs) Don't they all start like that? Breaking news. Dun, dun, dun. Fox News alert. Yeah. News alert. POTUS, at POTUS, spending weekend working at the White House. And then it has a picture of the White House and a screenshot of a Fox News segment that said, President Trump spending weekend working at the White House. Which was not the case. Also. <laughs> he was golfing. Um, I think the expectation would be that he is working on the weekend. <laughs> It's an important job. It, it is kind of an important job. He yeah. has some important things that he could be doing. He's not the night manager at a Dunkin' Donuts or even a dairy farmer, Brittany. Right, right. He's Donald- the president of the United States. <laughs> Donald Trump's one of those guys who we- will not answer the phone unless he's finished his 30-minute break at work. I'm sorry. He for sure is that guy. I'm sorry. Don't talk to me. I'm not done with my break. <laughs> hey, there's a customer out here who needs... No, I have seven more minutes. They will have to wait. <laughs> That's Donald Trump. Yeah, that's for sure Donald Trump. So he was golfing his ass off, which really leads, <laughs> which leads to, sorry, which leads to a lot of questions about his golf. And CNN, this is from about a week ago. So these numbers that they're talking about, how many times he's golfed, they're not even accurate. He played more golf last year than Tiger Woods. No, think of it. We don't have time for this. 
We don't have time for this. We have to work. Then candidate Donald Trump taking a few shots at President Barack Obama for playing golf. And I won't be playing golf instead of going to see the people in Louisiana who have been devastated by floods. But that was then. This is now. As president, Donald Trump's visited two Florida golf courses he owns near Mar-a-Lago nearly every weekend since taking office, playing six times so far. Not that his aides want you to know that. They won't even say if President Trump actually played the courses. But social media shows he did play during most visits. Just this past Sunday, the president teed it up with professional golfer Rory McIlroy at Trump International. The golf blog, No Laying It Up, posted this picture from Clear Sports of McElroy with the president and their foursome at Trump International Golf Course. McElroy told the blog, the president played 18 holes and shot around 80, eight strokes above par. While Mr. Trump is quick to brag about his golf skills. Those hands can hit a golf ball 285 yards. His golf game seems to be a cloak and dagger operation. A White House spokeswoman told reporters Sunday that the president played a couple of holes. Then, after learning that McElroy had shared the president played 18, the spokeswoman explained that the president intended to play a few holes and decided to play longer. Another coincidence. She was quick to note that he had a full day of work afterwards. Unlike Trump's team, Obama's aides allowed cameras to show him on the links and told reporters who he played with. Thanks to this tweet from the president, we know when Mr. Trump played with Japan's prime minister earlier this month, they were also joined by professional golfer Ernie Els. It's great to play golf, but play golf with heads of countries. And the president leveled some harsh tweets over the years, like this one suggesting President Obama was out golfing while the TSA was falling apart. Mr. Trump even offered President Obama free lifetime golf at any of his courses if he would just resign. So clearly, Donald Trump is a fucking mook, a liar, a ridiculous hypocrite, unlike the world has ever seen. Well, I wonder if he (laughs) remembers these things or if he believes himself to be different. I don't know. Yeah, really. I mean, thinking about it, does he, is he just trying to hide? Like, I know I'm being shitty here. Or does he just think he's... He's entitled. Yeah. It's different for him. That him doing He's the not same, a black guy. He could do what he wants. Yeah, that him doing the exact same thing is somehow different and more rigorous and more important. Well, they keep talking about him meeting with heads of state. He's only done that one fucking time. And the number now is up to 13 rounds of golf. 13. That's fewer weeks than he's been in office. He does not look like a healthy man. So Sean Spicer was, this question was, no, he does not. He's got a big old caboose on him. Too he's, much Mickey look, D's. He's 70, but that's, a, that's several hundred buckets of fried chicken well, stuffed into there. I know this seems really petty. In, into there. I know <laughs> I know this seems really petty, but it it's frustrating to me hey, that he. Come on in. The water's warm. Brittany. Yeah. It's frustrating to me that he is such a dick about the way women look. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. And feels as though he has some right to criticize the way women look. It's when I, it's like when I see comments from people on Facebook talking about how ugly Sofia Vergara is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just because you would give your left arm yeah. for her to touch you with a stick. Right. Please, please. You would give money if she would stab your eye out with a knife just so you could be close to the Sofia Vergara. Just these people who think that they <laughs> can criticize others. You know what I mean? Donald Trump, baby! Yep. Please. We got some Hillary bitches on here? Yep. Come on, baby! <laughs> so anyway, Sean Spicer was faced with this question, and he handled it in classic Spicy Spicer style. Sean, on a slightly different topic, um, in his first eight weeks in office, President Trump has made at least 10 trips to the golf course. Um, he regularly used to criticize President Obama for spending time on the course. How is his golf game any different? Well, I think two things. One is you saw him utilize this as an opportunity with Prime Minister Abe. Um, to- one time, one time. So one thirteenth of his golf outings are with a head of state. Jesse. The other ones are to practice so that he makes the United States look good right, when pr- he's out with other heads of that's state. That's right. That's all the other 12 times are so he's even a, he's a good golfer and doesn't embarrass us when he's golfing with the next head of state. If you don't use it, you lose it. Okay? Uh, that's what I hear. You have to practice. That is what I hear. To uh, to help for foster uh, deeper uh, relationships in uh, Southeast Asia, uh, uh, in Asia rather, and have, have a, a growing relationship that's going to help U.S. interests. How you use the game of golf is, is something that he's talked about. Secondly, you know, we went to um, down to – he had a, a mini cabinet meeting the other day uh, down – or two weekends ago uh, down at his, his uh, club in Virginia – and I remember so many people jumping to the conclusion that he was going down and playing with playing golf. Just because you go somewhere doesn't necessarily mean that you did it. So on a couple of occasions, he's actually conducted meetings there. He's at- he just happens to be wearing golf gloves and golf cleats in the middle of meetings. I wonder if Sean Spicer ever takes the time to look at the faces while he's talking and just realize that <laughs> at a certain point they have no idea what he's saying, no idea what's happening. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, and he just keeps going for it. Yeah, oh yeah. He's a dedicated fella. That is for sure. We'll let him finish with his dedication. Actually had phone calls. Um, so just because he heads there doesn't mean that, that that's what's happening. So let's... I, know, I know he did meet with um, Prime Minister Abe on the course, but um, we're not getting a lot of details on other high-level meetings that are taking place. If he is having these productive meetings on the course, why isn't the president and his aides being a little more forthcoming about what he's doing? I, it's the same reason that he can have dinner or lunch with somebody. and not Because I think the president's entitled to a bit of privacy at some point, where we bring that, which is what we've always agreed to. We... Listen, dickhole. The president doesn't get privacy when he's on the job. And if he's on the job, like you're saying he is, he's in meetings, he's taking phone calls, uh, he's a man of action, getting it all done, everybody. <laughs> and he doesn't get privacy. Right. If he's meeting with people, then who is he meeting with? We need to know yes. who he's meeting with. If That's the point. Transparency in government. That is the point of this question. However, if he's on his free time and golfing his sick fucking Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket ass off... <laughs> Then that's fine. Give him his privacy. We don't need to know if it's his private time. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Because he is on our time. Mm-hmm. 
We bring the press pool, the protective pool uh, to be there, but the president's, you know, also entitled to a bit of, of privacy as well. <laughs> Fucking goddamn! See, Sean Spicer is fantastic in the worst way. He's the worst. He, every time I watch these press conferences... He's so angry. Oh, yeah. And he starts off in a good mood, but it quickly deteriorates and everything just gets out of control. And then you have that situation with what ha- happened to April Ryan, right? Oh, we'll skip. We won't skip. Let's skip ahead to the April Ryan thing. I've got the clip loaded. Right. And then we'll go back to the last nail in the coffin of Fox News. But go ahead this about is, April Ryan. Well, well, no. The thing with April Ryan is a perfect example of how he starts off in a good mood. And then things just, he can't keep it together. Two and a half months in, you've got the Shade story today. You've got other things going on. You've got Russia. You've got, you've got wiretap. And you've got... No, we don't have that. You, 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 you I know. On Capitol Hill. No, no, I, I get it. But you keep, I, I've said it from the day that I got here until whatever, that, that there is no connection. You've got Russia. If the president puts Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. But every single person... No, I, well, no, that's, I appreciate your agenda here, but the reality is, oh, no, no, hold on. No, at some point, report the facts. The facts are that every single person who has been briefed on this subject has come away with the same conclusion. Republican, Democrat, so I'm sorry that that disgusts you. You're shaking your head. I appreciate it, but, but, okay, but understand this, that at some point, the facts are what they are. And every single person who has been briefed on this situation with respect to the, the situation with Russia, Republican, Democrat, Obama appointee, career, have all come to the same conclusion. At some point, April, you're going to have to take no for an answer with respect to whether or not there was collusion. How do you change the perception I, be, of, of... We're, we're going to keep doing everything we're doing to make sure that the president's, that what the president told the American people he was going to do to fulfill those pledges and promises that he made, to bring back jobs, to grow the economy, to keep our nation safe, that's what he's been focused on since day one. We're going to keep focusing on that every and single Connie day. Comes Friday. Connie Rice did not support this president. Um, she did not go to the convention. She comes. What is on the agenda? And and how is their relationship? Has it healed since 2006 when he used a very negative word? To so describe here's what I'll tell you. It's interesting that you ask those two questions back to back. On the one hand, you're saying, what are we doing to improve our image? And then here he is once again meeting somebody uh, that hasn't been a big supporter of his. Hold on. I, I, no, no, but, but April, hold on. You, 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 it seems like you're hell-bent on trying to make sure that whatever image you want to tell about this White House stays, because at the end of the day, the let me answer. I understand. I okay, but you know what? You're asking me a question, and I'm going to answer it, which is the president, I'm sorry, please stop shaking your head again. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Well, before I talk that about is keen analysis, Brittany. Before I talk about that, so yeah. Before I talk about that, <laughs> I want to go back to the the anger thing because oh, yeah, he gets fired up, right? Yeah, because this is the next today, Thursday. Yeah, he also doesn't let her answer ask Wait, a fucking question today. He ask a full question Wednesday. Yes. So he started off in a good mood today, but then again, the same thing happened. He. Gets asked a question. He doesn't like the tone. He doesn't like the question. It's too negative. Yeah. And he can't maintain composure. He just goes off. Visibly 
flustered. Yeah, and this was one of those moments where he told her to stop shaking her head, which we had a discussion about this. And I don't know if he would have said that to a man. Yeah. Maybe. I I don't know. I think he's pretty disrespectful of everybody. Yeah, but (laughs) come on. Well, listen, when your job is dealing with the media, you got to be less fucking tone deaf. You know, you got to know about communication. Yeah, you. That's can't, your job. You can't let something so futile get under your yes. skin. She's also she's just doing her fucking job. Yeah, she was shaking her head. So what? It it so under your skin that you need to comment on it and ask her to stop doing it. Uh, it wasn't an ask. You should just be. It was a tell. You should be a professional who can see that someone is shaking their head at you and you continue answering the question. That is your job. Just be professional. That's it. All right. Well, let's wrap, not the show, but this segment here. We got one more thing to go with asshole today. But to wrap up the fact that Fox News is absolutely state-run media. A couple weeks ago, a congressman out of Michigan, the 11th District of Michigan, Dave Trott, is his name, gave a town hall at which he was booed about many topics, one of which is when he brought up the fact of increasing military spending. And when they left the stage, they were scurried into a a hallway with a closed door. Their mics were still hot. One of their mics was still hot, and an aide plotted with the congressman to malign the electorate, to malign the constituency that was in the town hall as un-American because they weren't in favor of a drastic increase in the Pentagon's budget. Hey, thank you, Congressman. Okay. You got this idea? We're going to take that part where they're booing funding in the military. I'm going to get somebody to write a story. We're going to promote the shit out of that. American crowd. Nope. You did great. You did great. You stayed light. It wasn't ever at the You did a nice job, too. Did I do okay? Yeah. Thank you. Any questions that you Well, first of all, who knew that congressmen were such delicate little flowers? How did I do? How did I do? Did I do okay? Oh, I'm so afraid and not doing good up there. No, you did fine, Congressman. You did great. Oh, are you sure? What a what a pussy. I don't I don't understand what's happening with the accent that you're using. Uh, it's like an, like an old man who's unsure of himself. I am wildly confused. So anyway, listen to this aide who is plotting. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that part where they're booing military funding. I'm going to have someone write a story about it. We're going to promote the shit out of that. We're going to take that part where they're booing funding in the military. I'm going to get somebody to write a story. We're going to promote the shit out of that. 
that is un-American crap. And then, of course, I cut the clip before he said, ah, how did I do? How did I do? I'm afraid. Well, only days later, they appeared with Ainsley Einhart. What about the majority? I'm so tired of protecting the minority. And clearly by Ainsley Einhart, I mean Ainsley Earhart of Fox and Friends. This was the segment that there was some kind of collusion between Fox and Friends and the Dave Trott team because this is what happened. Another Republican congressman booed by liberals at a town hall, this time for supporting our troops. Listen. I support uh, more funding for our military. And here's Here to tell us exactly what was happening in that video there is the man that took on that angry crowd, Congressman David Trott of Michigan. Good morning, Congressman. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Ainsley. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. All right. All right. Now, get ready for, one, the most collaborative questions. And by collaborative, I mean like a collaborator. Get ready for these questions. They're, they're both softball questions. And there's, these aren't journalism questions. This chick is a propaganda machine, a propaganda uh, mechanism in the Fox News propaganda machine. So you get on stage, you, you just like most people who are elected, elected officials, they go in front of their constituents to get them to respond to what you're doing so that you can hear input from them. But you go and you try to do this, trying to do a good thing as a congressman representing those folks, and they boo you. What did you say that made them boo you? You're just trying to do your job, congressman. You're just trying to do something good as a congressman. Why? Why did they? Why am I doing the same voice for her? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm just watching it happen. It's amazing. I love it. I can't do her voice. Well, anyway, that's the question. You're just trying to do your job, and they're being terrible people who booed you. What did you do to make them boo you? Is that better? That was like a Disney grandmother. Eh, that's all I got. Well, we, uh, we started talking about the president's uh, decision to call for more money for the military, and uh, they didn't support that, and we, we disagreed, but it was good for me to hear their opinions, but uh, it was clearly not a popular answer. Who doesn't support our military? Why would they want to boo that? Uh, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? So here's what's funny is the way that she said liberal in the beginning of the segment. Oh, yeah, kind of hatefully. Oh, yeah. Anytime, anytime a conservative says the word liberal... It's so horrific. It's like how Jack Donaghy says Puerto Rican. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're like, that can't be right. That's from 30 Rock. That's a reference. That is a reference. So comparing how she says liberal to how she's talking now, liberals. Oh, and the tone oh, is, Oh, and yeah. what, why? I wonder Wh why. Why would, they, why would they boo, why would they hate our military? I mean, that, that's how they're posturing this. And yeah. also, keep in mind, Look how even-handed and metered he is. Yeah. Oh, well, listen. Well, they just have a difference of opinion, and I'm just a super... I can't do the voice again, but <laughs> I'm just a super nice guy who just understands everybody and blah, blah, blah. That's the Fox News face we're seeing. Not knowing... he not Him not knowing that now we have the tape. We know what they did behind closed doors when the mic was hot. Right. They plotted against these people who who have a reasonable opinion. It is reasonable to think that our bu military budget, which is the same as the next seven or eight countries combined, 
that we don't need to raise the budget. And he postulates that, well, it's only for pay raises. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's for equipment. It's for bloated base budgets. It's too much. The burden is too high on our military. Well, I think several hundred people in that room don't support the military, but uh, I think it's important. You know, they deserve it. We voted a 2.1% pay raise for the military. It's well-deserved. And I think if you look at our standing in the world today and what's happened over the past eight years, it's more important than ever that we have a military that can function. Uh, You know, half the planes in the Navy uh, can't fly. Uh, uh, The Air Force tells us we're at least prepared we've ever been in our history. It's important we uh, support our military and support the men and women that are in, in harm's way. So do you need any more evidence that Fox News is in the tank with Donald Trump? There is a conspiracy between the Trump administration and the production rooms at Fox News because of how they like to call liberals. Another Republican congressman booed by liberals at a town hall. Ugh. All right. It's the asshole of today. Henry County School District in Georgia. A school district yeah. is the asshole of today. Yeah, pretty specific. It's but not Fox News. No. It's the Henry County School District in Georgia. Right. So a single mother in Georgia was banned from her daughter's father-daughter dance after she attempted to go dress like a man. Amy Peterson says her daughter, Gracie, was really looking forward to having her mom at the dance since her father is not involved in her life. However, her school in Henry County, Georgia, wouldn't allow them to attend. Quote, to me, I've identified myself as her father and her mother because that's what I've done for six years. She's okay with it. She was excited that her friends were going to get to see this, Peterson says. She filed paperwork with the school a month prior to the dance, letting them know she would be attending with her daughter. But just one hour before the dance was scheduled to begin, she received a phone call from the school's principal telling them not to come. The principal said, quote, no, I forbid you to come. And if you show up, we will turn you away. Assholes. So the Henry County School District is the asshole of today, in addition to that principal, because they released a statement defending their decision, saying, quote, the school is cognizant that different dynamics exist across households in our school system. There are multiple parent engagement events and opportunities to participate with their kids annually at this school in an effort to make that connection and build school spirit. Now, a couple of things. One, daddy-daughter dances are weird. They, they are weird. They're weird. But not for the reason I think the audience may believe okay why do you think they're weird (laughs) a multitude of reasons but one being i don't think it's weird because like a sexual thing i i i mean that's not what you're getting at that's not necessarily what i'm getting at or the although there are those daddy daughter dances where like in virginia yeah in religious communities where it's like a... Where they give the promise ring. Yeah, a promise to keep your virginity and you go to a, a dance with your dad. Yeah, that's weird. He that, gives you a ring. I don't know. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop that. This is still weird to me. It's archaic. I don't know. I think it's weird that people are excluded from it. 
as well. Well, I mean, look at the the makeup of households. Yeah, the number one kind of household is a single parent household. Yeah. So there's there's a different family structure now. It isn't that traditional family mommy and daddy. My mommy's a stay at home mom. My daddy goes to work, blah, blah, blah. That's not the way it is anymore. It's not the 60s. Right. Okay. And this is the girl's family. This is what her family is. She doesn't have, effectively, she doesn't have a dad. So this is what she was going to do for this father-daughter dance that was going to otherwise not include her. And her mom dressed up like with a bow tie and a shirt. Yeah, and it's funny. Like a fake beard, like like a hobo Halloween beard, like with chalk on her face. Right. Listen, I have less a problem with them saying, yeah, this is really just for fathers and daughters. But if you're going to do that, do it right when she files her paperwork. Say, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to have other things you guys can do, but don't get your daughter's hopes up because we're just going to say no. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think that's kind of dickish, but I would have far less problem with it if they did it right up front rather than an hour before the goddamn dance. That's a problem. Yeah, I, I don't know. I am torn about these kind of traditional things being torn away. Because when I was growing up, there was always Grandparents' Day. Yeah. And my family wasn't in contact with any extended family at all. Right. So I never met my grandparents. And I would get picked up by my mom on Grandparents' Day because all the grandparents would come in. And it just reminds you how shitty your family is. Uh, Yeah, I'd go sit on the side of the room and wait to be picked up so my mom could take me and get McDonald's before we went home. Yeah. So I could paint the fence with the used motor oil. (laughs) And <laughs> and it was a bummer. It was a bummer. Absolutely. But I understand that it's important for kids who have the nuclear family situation to to have these experiences. That's good for them. Sure. But it's excluding kids who don't have that. And I think that that's a bummer because those kids are already very aware of their situation. Right. And, and they suffering don't, because of it. Yeah. And they don't need a reminder. Yeah. They don't need a reminder. Absolutely. It just adds to it. So no easy answers. Well, I guess the easy answer is don't call an hour before the fucking dance, assholes. That's an easy answer. Yeah. Asshole today. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing that to my attention, Brittany. You're welcome. You're a little bit more... What are you staring at right now? There is a spider crawling on the wall, and it needs to be killed right now. All right. Well, with that, we're going to leave you. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for tuning in twice a week or as often as you do. If you'd like to support the show... I doubt it with Dollamore. Nope, that's not right. Now you, I, the spider's behind me. It is so right I need behind to, you. Right. It is going to eat your head in a second. Dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. Support the show. I've added a couple new little graphics in there. little treat. So when you decide to shop on Amazon or donate through PayPal or Patreon, it's all new. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Until next time, for Brittany Page... I am the spider killer, Jesse Dallimore, and this has been I Doubt It. I'm being a whiny bitch right now is what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Very good. Sometimes it happens.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 